Welcome to BusinessWise, the show that provides you with tools, effective tools of management for your business or your life. These tools developed by L. Ron Hubbard are in use around the world in Fortune 500 companies and the small business. I'm Art Marin, and your guests today are Charles and Marina Simon, who operate not just one business in Delaware, but actually have six locations. How they do that, how these, uh, f these practices and businesses were developed, what they do to maintain it at a distance is the subject of tonight's show. Stay tuned and all will be revealed. Welcome back to Business Wise. Our guests, Dr. Charles and Marina Simon, are with us today, and we're going to be talking about building a business and maintaining that business at a distance. Welcome, Chuck, Marina. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Simon, how did the practice begin in Delaware? What was the early start? Artie, the early start was back in 1987. Um, prior to that, I was working for uh, another eye care provider. Uh, for four years. During mm -hmm. that time, I learned how to do um, my, my, get my clinical skills. But in 1987, I went out on my own and I quickly realized that I didn't have the tools necessary to run a practice. Now, that's interesting. I've, I've heard that before that in uh, the medical profession of any type, uh, one spends many, many years learning all the clinical sides and somewhat ill-prepared for the running of a business. I would say definitely somewhat ill-prepared. We, we received no training on how to run Zero. a business. Zero. Amazing. Yeah. So then what happened? So then um, I was single-handing it with one employee. Mm -hmm. We were doing fairly well. We weren't growing very fast. And I was wondering, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get new patients? How do I hire people? How do I go about just basically running a business? Right. And I was searching for someone to help me, mm -hmm. and there wasn't anyone. Hmm. And during that time, I went to a seminar based on Mr. Hubbard's technology. I went to the seminar. I felt like the speaker was talking just to me. Hmm. He had the answers that I was looking for. I signed up for our courses. I did the courses, and my practice just took off. Really? Now, what were the, in that early seminar, mm -hmm. if you can recall, what was the first realization? What was the, the, the datum or the truths that came across that led you to believe this was, this was a way to go, to do more of this training? Well, it, there wasn't any, just any one single datum. What I got from that was that the speaker um, that was talking about Mr. Hubbard's technology knew exactly what my problems were. Hmm. Not only that, he knew exactly how to handle them. Right. But if I had to pick one datum that really got my attention, it was uh, this one on lost income. Okay. Well, I know you have that directly from Harvard. Why don't you read that for the audience? Okay. It said, 
but the greater loss to finance is income lost or never made. Meaning, <coughs> the most money you're ever going to lose is the money you should have made and didn't. Exactly. Not, not to, you can't recover it. You can't say, we had a good week this week, so that makes up for our bad week last week? Can't do that. Can't do it. No, what happens is, basically, you have a certain a potential for your business. Mm -hmm. You can make X number of widgets, whatever your product is. And if you're only doing 50 or 25, you're losing the remainder. Mm -hmm. And that lost income is something that most business owners actually probably don't look at. Right. So given that the business has greater potential, and I think certainly most of the people watching this show and business owners feel that they could be doing more, should be doing more than they're doing, that loss is never recoverable, so therefore uh, it, it's vital that they learn the tools. Now, I mean, Marina, I know that uh, um, you have a degree uh, from Ivy League. You can tell us about that. Uh, how does what you got in university compare to what you learned in terms of studying the Harvard methodology? Well, first of all, um, you have to wait for two years. I did a master's uh, on international business to start applying it, you know, get a job and applying it. And Mr. Hubbard Technology, in the moment you start studying it, you can go ahead and apply in it. Mm -hmm. And you can see the results immediately. So um, it's its practicality and the results you can get. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Good. Now, Chuck, what, so then what happened? You, you got the practice going and you started implementing. How soon did you start seeing results from the implementation of the Hubbard Management Technology? Very quickly. My immediate result was just uh, relaxation. Mm -hmm. Finally, I had a solution to some of the problems that I was running up against. Right. Um, I think the first thing I implemented were, was the org board, mm -hmm. the organizing board, where it showed me exactly, okay, these are the, these are the different divisions of a business, any mm -hmm. business. It could be my business, any business. Mm -hmm. And then what I did was I realized what I had and what I didn't have. And what mm -hmm. I didn't have was just as important as what I had. Mm -hmm. So I started filling those individual positions. And as I did that, my business started to grow. Mm -hmm. And what about the, the training of the staff? Uh, you were getting more and more familiar with Hubbard Management Technology. How did that get relayed to employees? That's a good question. In, in the beginning, it was difficult, and I realized that I was getting the information, but my staff wasn't. Mm -hmm. So we developed a course room where the staff could study the same materials that I had the opportunity to So actually study. a training academy right in the practice. Exactly. Right. right. What do most other uh, professionals do? Ask a lot of questions. Um, most other professionals, as far as training their staff go, I yeah. think it's um, done on-the-job training. Right. Um, the receptionist teaches the new person how to be a receptionist. Right. The optician teaches the new optician how to be a, an optician. Right. However, the problem with that is they also teach them their mistakes. Right. I yes. get it. So we're talking about a, for those who weren't here at the beginning, we're talking about an optometric practice or uh, Dr. Simon's a, a doctor of optometry, uh, and the this factor I know from my own consulting uh, training is is very much uh, omitted from most professional practices, except as you point out the on the, on the job training. Mm -hmm. 
but the collection of materials, making sure they understand them, creating that stability. We know from the Hubbard system that uh, employees who are well-trained are stable and they help get the job done. So you took it an extra step and you said, well, we're going to have a little academy, a little university, uh, if you will, within our own practice. And did you separate, you had a separate time for them to study? Yes. They would study two to three hours per week, mm -hmm. each individual staff member. And we would rotate that so we wouldn't lose production time. Right. And were they paid for that study? Oh, yes. Right. Yes, okay. that's part Again, of their... Again, a wise, a wise investment. Absolutely. Okay. I, I consider that training time more, more valuable than when they're out on the, uh, in the office. Right. Excellent. Okay. So then the, the, now the staff started coming around, started applying the materials, and did you start functioning more as the executive director at that point? Yes. Yes, I did. I was also doing the optometry. I was being the doctor, and I was doing the administrative and my biggest problem was we were getting too busy to handle all of that. Mm -hmm. That's when I decided that it was necessary to hire somebody to be the manager, mm. to be the organization, run the organization, the business part of it, because mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do that and see patients. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then that person got hired, then what happened? Well, they had to be trained. So we trained them on Mr. Hubbard's technology. They learned how to handle the business. Mm -hmm. They could, if it could be an optometry business, a dental business, it could be a hardware store, you name it, it could be a 7-Eleven. Right. It's all, it's all the same. So the facets of the Harvard system, of course, is that it's based on fundamentals, and those fundamental business aspects could then be applied to an optometric business, to economics, or, or anything else. In fact, when you, um, when you discovered the Harvard system, uh, did you have any realizations about how it applied to the uh, economics and financial studies that you had done earlier? Well, it's a, it's a different area because I used to work in banking. Mm -hmm. So basically, you don't have that much freedom than when you have your own business to apply, you know, mm -hmm. the tools or the systems that you, you need. Right. So you work more under a certain line. Right. But definitely, you can even apply it to your life. We have, you know, we have even applied it to our own administration, to our own home business. Or right. Right. Yeah, sure. This, this organizing board that uh, the doctor was talking about, uh, I remember having a client in Chicago once who had five children, and uh, it was pretty much a madhouse. In fact, they were all boys, and I think the ages were 10 to 17 or something like that. And we created an organizing board where everybody had their own hat and their own function and their own job, and, and suddenly, you know, and statistics and everything else. And suddenly things got very quiet and better and things moved. And so, yeah, that's a good point. It can be applied. Well, obviously, any kind of management truth applies to the management of one's business or one's life. So while we're on that line, how did then the discovery of Harvard Management System affect your living? My living personally? Yeah. Well, I became very busy around that time. Mm -hmm. And my practice began to um, grow. Mm -hmm. So I became busier. However, I wasn't spending all of my free time working in the office. So it did free up my time in order I took up golf and tennis and got involved with um, other activities. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice. So you're saying that the practice was growing while at the same time you were getting more free time. Exactly. Okay, and again, this comes from the efficiency. What would you say then would be um, some of the early tools uh, 
The organizing board, of course, was important. And <clears throat> I want to remind uh, those watching the show that at the end of the show, our number and information will be put up. Uh, if anybody is interested in knowing more about the organizing board, uh, they can just contact uh, Axiom 10, uh, our production company, and we'll be glad to supply it. Uh, having said that, is there any other tool that came into being around that time in the early days? Yes, I think one of the most important tools was um, how to hire employees, who to, who to hire. How do you choose the correct employee? Mm. And Mr. Hubbard has a technology that helped me choose the correct employees. Right. Yeah, again, a very important issue, the ability to predict how somebody's going to operate under certain conditions is an amazing tool. Now, we're going to talk about that after our break. I want to uh, let everybody know that the Hubbard methodology and the Hubbard management system is in use around the world and has been for, for decades. Effective tools with which one can build, as you heard, their business or indeed their life. back and we're talking to Dr. Charles and Marina Simon discussing the factors of hiring. And you had mentioned, uh, Dr. Simon, that you had an advantage in that you had found some hiring protocols, uh, methodology that assisted you in getting the right people. Uh, tell us a little about that. Definitely. How would you like to know beforehand how your employees are going to behave? Mm. Well, there are certain, Mr. Hubbard developed a in a, a test that, that measured a person's personality, let's say. Mm -hmm. And using that information, you can predict how an employee is going to respond under certain circumstances. Maybe how are they going to respond under stress? Are they going to be honest? Are they going to do their job? Are they going to be willing? Are they going to be unwilling? Mm -hmm. Are they going to create problems in your office among other employees? Or are they going to contribute in a positive way to your office? Right. I think that's important, too, because in, in, in a business, uh, we're, we don't want to be spending inordinate time trying to deal with uh, staff problems, difficulties, and in some cases, employees who are uh, difficult, period, you know, themselves. So this, this eliminates all of that and allows you with great prediction to, in, in essence, hire uh, correctly. That's right. Okay. You, if you hire the wrong person, it might take you six months, a year to discover that you did that. And by that time, your production is affected negatively. Right. So hiring the right people is one of the keys to a successful practice. Right. And it's, it's sometimes the things that you don't see immediately. I know that good protocol includes 
testing in the sense of if they say they can type, then let's see them type. You know, let's have them add. You don't want to find that out after you've hired them. But what is not unknown is how they may react under pressure, uh, how they get along with other people, etc. And these uh, testing materials allow you to, to determine that very early. Exactly. So that's a very important point. And uh, once they're hired, uh, what's the procedure that you use then to build the practice? We talked about their training on a regular basis. Um, did you employ any tools that allowed you to see how productive they were or were not? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the tools Mr. Hubbard developed was management by statistics. Mm -hmm. each, each one of our employees has a statistic. Of course, they have a product and they have sub-products. They have things that they do, things that they exchange. Mm -hmm. We measure those. So I can look at their statistic on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and determine if they're doing a good job or if they're not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, we know from the, the Hubbard system that a statistic is, in fact, a compressed data, which would then lead us into how you operate, as I mentioned at the top of the show, how you operate six businesses in Delaware while living in Clearwater Beach, Florida. How is that done? Sorry, just I wanted to uh, add something. It acts like a monitor. So when a statistic goes up, you really find out what did that person did, you know, to make that statistic go up. Or when right. it went down, you know, what exactly was done. So, so it's like alarm bells, alerts exactly. that are going off. And it helped him, you know, and us to really do it on a long distance. It's like your monitor. You know, it tells you what's going good. You know, you keep that or what's going wrong. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you handle it immediately. Right. So the ingredients actually for what I'll call long distance management are stable, uh, uh, well-chosen, well-trained personnel, especially the, the head of the office, the person who's overseeing for you, exactly. and then accurate statistics that reflect the productivity, which allow you then to not have to be there and get the information on a, on a distance. Thanks. So what happened then uh, as that first practice started growing? Where did the second one come from and why? Okay. Well, the first practice took off. It started growing, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it got bigger, I became to enjoy the business aspect of my practice more so and now, more. Isn't that interesting? You know, you'll find that people think that somehow staying small is devoid of problems. I don't want to get big because then I'll have a lot of problems, you see, as if small is no problem. The fact is, though, that as it was getting bigger, you were enjoying it even more. Oh, absolutely. It was a game. It yeah. was fun. Right. So it's like, well, this isn't enough. I want to open another one over here. Yeah, okay. So we can do this. Now we found out how you run a practice. How do you right. grow a practice? So we opened up a second office. Uh -huh. And for the first six months, I worked there um, single-handedly with my staff, of course. Right. And then that one grew. Right. And when that one grew, we hired staff to fill that one. And then so you were constantly working your way out of a job. Exactly. Okay, so then, that's the second. Then you did it on a third. Then we did it on the third. Same thing. Same thing. Duplicated the materials, set it up, got it standard, went on to the fourth. Went on to the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Excellent. Yeah, if you can run one business, you can run two. If you can run two, you can run three. And there on, there on, and there on, right. there on. Especially if it's all standard. 
Right. And it's running on similar principles. Now, in order to ensure that it runs on similar principles, there's another factor that I know that Marina was very involved in, in terms of the project uh, that you did to ensure that the basic functions were all known by everyone. Uh, how did that work? Exactly. We call it HATS. Mm -hmm. And basically what you want to know is what is the ideal scene of your business? What do you want everybody producing on an ideal scene? So that's what's basically the HAT. Mm -hmm. So then the employee goes through that training, understands it, and there's some drills about it, you know, so he can So this is do all it. written, written materials exactly. in a manual laid out. Exactly. You develop it, in fact, with the employee. You sit with him and say, you know, develop this write-up. Where do you see yourself on, on an optimum position? Mm -hmm. So you develop these, and then basically, um, you know, based on that, they do their work. Okay, so now you've got this uh, this manual, and then they go to your local university uh, to learn everything in the manual, and now you have a stable person. But, of course, your most important person, uh, I'm going to assume, in these six locations would be your executive director in each one, the person upon whom you totally depend and get your stats, and they're the ones running the operation. So how do you do that? Do you talk to them as a group once a week or get the reports? Or how do you, how do you deal with them on an interfacing basis? Well, currently, we, since we live in Florida and they're in Delaware, we do it via our executives. Mm -hmm. Our executives will have meetings weekly with the managers and they'll be in communication with them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. They also use management by statistics. Mm -hmm. You look at a statistic, Statistics going up, great, I'm going to leave you alone. This other person, there looks like they're having a little problem. I'm going to talk to you about it, find out what's not going right. Mm -hmm. What do you need to do to make it, um, to make your job prosper? Mm -hmm. So we use management by statistics, communication, a lot of communication. Mm -hmm. Right, well, that's another factor, too. I know that you can put all manner of great tools in the hands of people, but if they don't have the ability to communicate, uh, that's a problem. What about your communication abilities? How did that uh, occur and get improved? Was that a, a Hubbard management materials and, and training that you did there as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of Mr. Hubbard's courses deals with communication. How, how to communicate to other people. How to, how to have a communication line. Mm -hmm. How to listen to other people. How to handle a person's concerns. How to tell the difference between when somebody's just saying something for the heck of it or whether they really have a problem that you need to address. Right. So the communication skills not only helped me with my practice, but believe it or not, my patients realized it. They noticed it. Hmm. They so, knew again, it was yeah. so the, the improvement of communication skills not only works for uh, the running of the practice, but you know, I just realized, of course, then is also the interaction with patients we don't want to leave them out of the equation. Patients are a very important part. Uh, but in terms of moving, uh, improving a practice or improving a business to begin with, the communication skills of the owner are paramount. They're dealing with their employees. Uh, they're ensuring that there's a flow of communication amongst the employees that's working. And of course, they're communicating with the environment. This becomes even more pronounced when you're adding locations. Because now we have long-distance communication. I've always said it's one thing to run a practice when you're in it. It's another to run it when you're outside of it. And, you know, you seem to have done an excellent job utilizing these effective tools. When you finally began creating the manual and working with the staff, 
Did you see any communication difficulties as they learned what real, real solid communication was all about? Yes, they, they, they don't really, on the beginning, they don't see what is the optimum, you know, level of communication. I had a success story with uh, one of our uh, calling ladies. So she was, you know, she was doing like a medium job. I sit with her, you know, apply these skills, and all of a sudden she become our best employee. And it's, and it's so basic. Mm -hmm. This is like something that you live day to day and we really don't appreciate it. Right. But you can really make a person, you know, produce to its maximum just applying it. Right. We t I think we take some of these uh, factors for granted that people can converse, therefore they can communicate. But we know in the Hubbard system, communication takes on an entirely different dimension. There is so much potential, again, going back to what you were saying, uh, Dr. Simon, earlier, that an individual's potential in the business or indeed in life can be major if the right tools are applied. We have those tools. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, and we look forward to seeing you again at the next BusinessWise.